Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 234 with my guest, Tony Laporta. And Tony is a guy that... Uh, I've had some interaction with online and Tony's actually a big fan of Sean Hackett, which is on here every year, twice a week. And, and, uh, Tony reached out to me one day, we started talking and I was like, you know what, man, let's, we should do a podcast together. So I got Tony to suckered into being on the podcast here. So Tony, how you doing, man? Well, I'm, it's, it's my mantra. Today's the best day of my life. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and, you know, That's a good, and That's a good one. Yeah. If it's not, if it's not the best day of my life, I'm doing something wrong and I need to change. Yep. So. Yep. So Tony can be found at TonyLaporta.com and uh his last name is spelled L-A-P-O-R-T-E. And a. that's how oh A? Okay, sorry. L A P O R T A, sorry. Uh dot com there. And he got a YouTube channel out there as well that you can check out. But but Tony is you know, I have Chip Nelliger on here that talks about what's going on in the markets, and I got Sean Hackett's on here that talks about what's going on in the market. And both those guys are analysts, right? They spend their time advising customers what to do tony's an actual trader and tony's perception of what's going on in the marketplace is, is going to be significantly different than i think what those other two guys are because he's actually living and breathing the what's going on in in the the digital pits now not so much more in the in the in the actual pits people yelling and screaming at each other but actually living and dying every day by what by his trade so i, I thought tony would would bring a a, a good light into what we're doing here but before we get into all that tony let's talk about who you are and uh what you've been doing and and, and how you kind of got to this point in your life well uh, i grew up on the south side of chicago okay. and uh graduated from college and uh and i was in a i was in a, a pub on the south side touch of green a good irish pub and <laughs> ran into a high school buddy he was a poker playing buddy of mine and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for a job. He says, I know what you want to do the rest of your life. <laughs> and, you know, I went to college for four years. He went to the board of trade. Mm -hmm. And uh, within, with, you know, within two weeks, I started on the floor of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange in January of 1979. And when I, when I walked on that floor, there were the franty boards. There was the yelling and screaming. And I'm like, oh, whoa, I'm in love. And I, I did as much as I could from the start to, to educate myself with regard to the markets, because, you know, the more, you know, the more you're worth. Right. Right. So as you, as you kind of 
built your career and kind of went through there. Is there any one phase of the commodity trade that you that you've looked at more and kind of been more heavily involved in? I know you do a lot with bonds, trade bonds, and those kind of things. I so. I, I was um in I started on the floor in 1979 and in 1982, I was offered a job to go work on the London International Financial Futures Exchange. All right. And um, and that was a brand new exchange. It was a little mini board of trade. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was, and I always like to say it was kind of like a mafiosa job. It, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So <laughs> so I went and yep. and and I actually tra- I actually traded there for 12 years. And I and I traded, they had a US Treasury bond pit there, but then they also had a German Bund pit and then they had a, a an, an italian btp which was a 10-year italian and they had a long gilt which was the 10-year and i i predominantly traded treasuries either you know u.s or german or english yeah and, and how long did how long did you do that um until until about right around the turn of the century and yeah. and they they actually went computerized in london first and and I watched a lot of my a lot of my mates, um, you know, take their take their checkbooks. You know, I, we all made money. The people on the floors made money. They said ninety percent of the people make money, and ten percent, you know, and and ten percent of the paper makes money. And and I watched I watched good good traders take their their checkbooks and their egos up to the offices, and mm-hmm. and some of them are like you know garbage men, and you know these days they blew it all. Yeah. And um, and I ended up back at the Mercantile Exchange, and I started after after nine one one. I started writing about the markets. I was I you know because the Mercantile Exchange was going the same way, and I thought, well, I need to reinvent myself. And I started writing about the markets, and still to this day, I do that. Yeah. But but I trade every day. I yeah. I definitely trade every day, and I love it. You know, and uh, you know, if the doctor ever told me quit trading or die. I would tell them measure the box. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. So as, as you take a look at, at what's going on right now and in, in the markets that we see and, and how everything's kind of evolving to what we have now, with, with the exception of everything kind of moving over to a algorithm-based computer model that's, you know, you know, taking the, the pits out of the way, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen over the course of that time? The, the biggest and I and I and I changed I, I had to change and and I changed around 2003 2004 the markets went computerized I was a, I was a, a pit trader I was a local so a long trade for me was like a minute and 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 what we found you know first it was the high frequency traders now it's the algos is the more you click the mouse that you know the, the more you're giving away the edge. And, uh, and I find, and I, and I still coach, you know, full-time traders that, you know, you've got to make your couple, three trades a day, you know, have a goal. And if you meet that goal, turn the computer off, see you tomorrow. Because in this, in this trading game, you know, you start stringing days together and days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months. And, and this is, this is, you keep this in the game. And, and before you know it, you put a, you put a nice string together and you wake up every day knowing you're going to make money. Right. But, but I've even gotten to the point where, you know, 15 years ago, I, that you couldn't in my, I, I only know, I bet you five gentlemen that can actually make money day trading futures. 
and 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 the you know I mean I can make money day trading, but you know but I'm not going to make money every day. And uh, and I found that swing trading um, is is the way to go for me. I had a couple of couple of big swing trades, you know, one in '85 and one in uh, around in the in the mid '90s, and uh, and and I just I just found that it sometimes you know they say you know cut your losses, let your winners run, and um, and that's what and that's what I've tried to do. Obviously, I've come across Sean, and and that's been a I mean that's that's swing trading heaven. You know, his, his ideas are so long-term and it's taken me a long time to learn to trade his ideas, you know, because, because yeah, I mean, I don't know how, how many times I was long coffee at like one twenty-five, one thirty, and it would yeah. go to one forty-five, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm a millionaire. Then it'll go all the way back down to one twenty. <laughs> oh no, I've got to, you know, I gotta, I gotta stop myself out with a small profit. Mm-hmm. And, and you learn to, I've learned to keep my position small, but my convictions big. Yep. yep. And, um, yes, Sean, Sean is a, uh, he's an interesting guy. You know, I've had him on the podcast for about as long as I've had the podcast going, I think. So I've, I've had him on there since like 2018, maybe. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, yep, it was, it was December of 2018. Tell you this quick story. My wife and I were driving someplace and she was driving and I was, you know, working on a few things. I get a phone call from, from Boca Raton, Florida, and it shows up there. And I'm like, I don't know anybody in Boca, but I'm going to, whatever. It could be someone wanting to buy a tractor or whatever. So I pick it up, you know, and it's Sean on the other end. And he's, he starts talking to me. He's like, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast. I got some, you got some great, I think I have some good content. I think I can add. And I, I would like a, like an opportunity to, to talk to you about it. I'm like, great go about it so he starts talking about these grand solar minimums and sunspots and yada yada going crazy <laughs> and i'm like who the hell is this guy driving the <laughs> so i kind of remember some of these you know grand solar minimums and these like you know time frames he's talking about from history class of college and those kind of things and i'm like yeah i'll get back to you pal you know so i i i you know hang up and i'm telling my wife like this some crackpot on the other end over here is talking to me. <laughs> some crazy thing you know and I go through the whole thing. I go do some research and lo and behold, you know, what he starts talking about is, is there's a lot of people out there talking about it and it turns me on to, to, you know, Dr. Valentina Zarkova and all these different people, you know, we've, we've done some stuff there. So the one thing I'll say about Sean is that, that no matter what other, everyone else is saying, his, he never, he never wavers from what he says, right? You know, he doesn't come in one day and, you know, say, Oh, this is going to happen. And then, you know, four months go by. And it kind of starts getting close to where it's supposed to be, whatever he said was supposed to happen. And he's not, he doesn't change it because I'll be honest with you, there's not been a piece of information in a, in a time frame that he's laid out that it, something didn't happen, you know, that he said was going to happen. So that's, it's one of the most impressive things I've ever been around when it comes to weather forecasting, long-term weather model forecasting that I've ever seen out of, out of anyone I've been around uh, since I've been doing this. Well, well, I know following his work since June of 2020, Mm-hmm. there's, you know, he's, he's, you know, where he actually recommends a trade. Um, he, he has, has have 10 or 12 winners. And yeah. the only, the only trade that I can think of that, that was a loser. And, and I, and I took my, took my medicine not too terribly long ago. He was looking, he wanted to be long orange juice looking for a, a you know, a hurricane season. And we only ended up with one Ida and there was, right. and it was quiet. 
and yeah. and and but now it's rallying again the orange juice in anticipation of a freeze yeah. but you know sometimes sometimes you just have to take your medicine and, and take orange right. juice off the screen and just get on with something else you know yeah you know, and his work is really interesting when he said, and he sat down there and listened to him break it down and what's going on in the Atlantic oscillation and the Pacific and all these different things. You know, it's some pretty interesting stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, the one thing about Sean is that there's not, it just, he just does, he just, the way he looks at the market and the way he looks at everything is just so much different than what I've, than anybody else I've come across. Well, and, and, and as, and as we know, I, you know, the greens are all about weather. And yep. um, I mean, for, for over a year, he's been talking about this being the coldest, nastiest winter ever. And boy, mm-hmm. it's starting out with a bang. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, they've yeah. had freezing temperatures down in Alabama again this weekend and, and, and again, middle of next week. Yep. And wow. You're like, yep. wow. So, yep. it's, so it's just impressive what he's, what he's yeah. able to see. And it's, it's the thing about it is that the one thing that's so impressive about it is, is how accurate he's been with those those weather models that he talks about, and how little you hear about what he's talking about on on the mainstream. News. Absolutely, absolutely, it's, it's totally crazy, totally crazy. So, well, let's jump in and talk about a little bit about what you see happening right now in the marketplace. You know, we've got a lot of things, a lot of moving parts, a lot of things out there. You know, if you take a look at it, really, you pick the commodity, and the volatility that we see is is wildly crazy all over the place. I mean, you're looking at, you know, wheat prices right now, you're looking at 23 wheat that you can start contracting for seven, almost eight bucks. I mean, and if you're farming out there right now and you're thinking like, I'm going to grow wheat, well, I'm pretty much locked in a profit for the next, you know, so this, this coming season and 23 as well. And I'm going to start playing some, some long-term, start playing some really long-term games here with what's going on. So I guess as you take a look at the market as a whole, what are some of your takeaways? Well, I, you know, and, and this is something that I've been talking to my clients about recently is what's the price of uncertainty yep. and, and, yeah, and, and great, you know, you can, you, you know, you can start, you, you can start maybe hedging your wheat product or your corn, you know, for next year. But, but with, I mean, we were, we were just on fire in the West, in the Western States. Now we're building arcs. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yep. You know, what you know? What happens? You know, the 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 cost, the price of uncertainty at the moment for me is is you know these these futures markets were were designed basically, and you know the board of trade started things off to hedge hedge future product. Well, I don't see a lot of a lot of farmers with with the uncertainty out there coming and hedging right now. Which means, which means the the algos and and the and the long term speculators, I believe, have free reign to run these markets up to where the price of uncertainty is a little bit. You know, the odds start to move into the farmer's favor. Yeah. But I, 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 I that they're the natural sellers, the producers, and yeah. and I and I don't think they're there at the moment. So expand on that a little bit. What you, what do you mean by the price of uncertainty? Uh, how do we how do we even know that this growing season in America is going to be you know if we listen to Sean it's like we don't want to hedge any any of our product now you right. know how do how do we know that that there won't be a, a late winter of, of you know floods we had we had floods in 2019 yep. and corn ran up a buck I mean they yep. were they were they were able to get it in the ground in the end and it came right back off but but they still ran it up a buck. 
So, so anyone, anyone who might have hedged, you know, in advance, were were kind of, you know, not too happy about their hedge. Yeah. So. Okay. So. Go on. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go but but you know and I even and I even take this one step further with um, the price of uncertainty. Um, you know, at the moment we have we have a dollar that is spiking higher. It, it spiked higher again today, mm-hmm. and um, and you know and and it's my job to read smart money, and I do read smart money. And and a gentleman who I give a lot a lot of credit to, you know, he's he's talking about you know. Worldwide, there's $296 trillion of debt, of which $26 trillion of it came in the second quarter. And, and a lot of that debt is dollar-denominated. So, so with the dollar spiking higher like this and the supposed you know, taper and higher interest rates, when, when they have to roll that debt... It's it's you you could you could sell Wall Street and just sell it and sell it and and we saw how how Powell reacted a couple of years ago when he right. went into a little bit of a taper and 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 the market went down and he and he succumbed to the market and mm-hmm. you know and and I think the same is going to happen again they can't and and Yellen Yellen's you know she's in charge of the Treasury they're not going to let this dollar run away. And and I believe the the money that I've the, the the smart money that I read has been talking about yield curve control for a year now, and 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 this gentleman says when we see yield curve control, you close your eyes and buy gold, and gold will trade to new all time highs. Yep, and it's it's doing that right now. You're starting to see some gold. That's my next point. Is going to go into some inflationary hedging there with gold and what you see there. I mean, the last couple of days, you know, gold kind of had a run down there. Uh, last week, kind of got down the 1700 range a little bit. It's bounced back up to now where it's like 7, 1863 or something like that, I think is what opened right. up this morning. I mean, as you take a look at gold and what you see happening there, I mean, what's your thoughts with that? And then how do you think inflation is going to play it all out? Well, I, I, you know, inflation's not going away. It's, it's, it's just not going away, but um, the, you know, and, and gold, Gold is obviously a hedge against inflation, but but what what I truly truly believe it is, it's a hedge against central banks not knowing how to deal with what they're dealing with. That that's that's the that's the real hedge, and you know you've got Lagarde you know talking about you know we're we're going to stay lower forever and, and talking the euro down and it's it it's just. There's again, there's just so much uncertainty out there. I mean, gold has kind of traded sideways for you know the last year or so, but I, I think it's ready to I think it's ready to go. I, I truly do. It, it's funny actually because gold was another product. I, I quit, I was a bond trader. I quit trading the bonds about a year ago just because after the after the central banks got involved, it 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 they've kind of they took took us out of the game, shall we say. And uh, but then I started trading commodities. But I, I I quit trading gold and I literally I literally bought 10 gold today at 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 1862 and a half and and it broke to 1847 something. I was losing 15 grand about 20 minutes after I bought it. It's like, <laughs> wow, my timing is impeccable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh that's you guys that do that stuff for a living, man. I don't know how you uh, I'd be I'd be so I mean, so so crazy all the time. It'd be uh, it'd be nuts. But I guess as you take a look at 
some of the stuff that we see happen around us right now. I mean, we talked about deflation, we talked about the gold thing. What, what, how, how do you think like Bitcoin and those kind of currency, those uh, digital currencies like that, how do you, how do you think they fit into all this deal? All of this kind of thing? boy, they fit in and, and, and they, they scare, scare the heck out of me. They, they really do. You know, I work, I work really hard for my money and, and I don't want to, like wake up, you know, in an unregulated market and find out I don't have any money. Right. You know, and, and, and I have so many products to trade. I, I, I honestly have never made a Bitcoin trade and, 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 and a lot of, a lot of my friends, a lot of my clients, they have, and they've done really quite well at it. But I, I, it just, it just scares me. This, like this smart money I read, uh, he was talking about, you know, if they ever find out that, you know, that there was a war financed by Bitcoin, you know, that would be it. You know, you can, you can, they'll, they'll, you know, you could take Bitcoin off the board. So, yeah. but, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a product, it's there. It's a lot of people want to say it's a, it's a, it's a, a it's almost competing with gold as yeah. a, yeah. as a hedge against central banks, not having a clue. Right. And, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of people go on and on about the central banks. It's not my job to be critical of the central banks. It's my job to figure out how to make money in this economic environment. That's what my job is. Yeah. And, and other people, they, they, they waste all their time being critical. Yeah. Yeah. They have. Yeah. I read a lot of stuff about Bitcoins and the, and the various, you know, uh, digital currencies that are out there and what that looks like. And, and it, to your point of regulation, there's just that, that idea that I can just create. And I guess it's no different than the dollar. I mean, you can kind of go out and create dollars as you, as you need them type of thing, but um, it just feels like there's this war about it. That, that just, uh, I, I, it scares me. I'm, I'm right there with that guy. I don't, Maybe I, I, think I don't I, understand it, but I, I think I just it. heard or I read somewhere there's eight thousand cryptocurrencies yeah. at the moment. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. There's, there's still only one dollar, and that's that's the biggest market in the world. The, yeah. the treasuries is the second biggest market in the world, and and I'll keep my assets where they're liquid. I, I, I like to, I like to know that I can get in and out anytime I want. Yeah, that's so. the that's the thing. I mean. I could start my own cryptocurrency up and just start right. putting, you know, creating creating digital currency out there right and left. But it's a it's a it's a very weird thing. So, um, you but, know, and maybe and maybe if if you'd like to wrap this up, this is this is one one thing that and I don't get it. I spend a little bit of time on Twitter, and everyone is everyone is bearish. They're they're all you know this is a bubble. Blah 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 blah. And the only thing I know about the only thing I know about the stock market is is Wall Street has always loved low interest rates. Sure. And yeah. what have we had since two thousand eight? We've had Very historically low yeah. historically low rates. You know, I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm sixty five years old. I bought my first house and it was a twelve percent mortgage. Mm -hmm. You know, and now you could get one for three percent. But not only not only do we have historically low interest rates. We've got quantitative easing, <laughs> and, right. and we've and we've got taper. So we're yeah. gonna so now we're gonna taper from one twenty down to one oh five 
down to 90. That's still 105 more than we ever used to put in in the 90s. You know, yeah. that's, the, I mean, and we're going to taper right into the middle of the year. This is the biggest, it's the biggest no-brainer. You just close your eyes and you buy every dip in the stock market because they're they're all bearish. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it, but yep. it's, I think it's the easiest trade out there. Yep. Agreed. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't do this without at least asking this one question. What's the craziest trade you ever made in a single day where you went from, oh. holy crap, man, I'm just lost everything I own to like, oh man, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, okay. I bounced okay. back. Are you, are you ready? And this is, ready. and this is funny because I wasn't sure how this would work because mm-hmm. I have so many stories about trading in the pits and living mm-hmm. abroad and everything. Okay. Here's my craziest trade ever. And, and I am, and I am it famous on the on the London International Financial Futures Exchange for this trade. It is Black Monday, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm and and we're six hours ahead, right? So I get a phone call, and you know, in the last hour, you know, on uh, you know, it started on Wednesday. Wednesday, the the Dow was down a hundred. Thursday it was down, I don't know, but but on but on in going into the last hour, the Dow was down two hundred points. And then in the last hour, it fell another 300 points. And, and, and back, back there in the 80s, the, the um, equities competed with treasuries for investment dollars. You know, if, if, a, if a fund manager could return 7% on, on his money, well, the bond market was around 6 to 7%. So they competed for it. On that day, you know, on that day, they, they, on, on, on the Tuesday night, on the Monday night, Tuesday is when the, f- the phrase flight to safety, flight to quality was coined because in that last hour, they, they sold Wall Street down another 300 points to be down 506, I think. And the bond market went the other way. Now, back in the day, the bonds, the bonds traded on, on the CBOT, the Chicago Board of Trade, and they had a three-point limit. That was a three points is 32 ticks a point, 96 ticks. And, and, after, and after it went limit, you, you couldn't trade you know, until the next day. And, and you know that. Being a being a grain trader, um, that the grains have have limits as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I get a phone call from my from one of my friends who's in New York, and he says, "Get to work early in the morning." They all sold their stocks and bought bonds, and you you don't have a limit in London. That we had no limit. So there I am, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, probably have a hangover or something, and and I start buying treasury bonds. And I buy I buy twenty contracts and and boom I mean it's 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 maybe about a six seven thousand dollar winner which back back in that day that was a lot of money That's a lot of money yeah yeah and yeah. and and I didn't take it and then all of a sudden the market starts coming off and and at every tick every tick E F Hutton who went out of business that day E F Hutton and Goldman Sachs are there to buy a hundred contracts each now we never saw that kind of size so. I didn't do anything. I didn't get out. And now, and now the long guilt is ready to open up and I'm probably losing three to four grand on my treasury bonds. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go into the long guilt, scalp that. And, uh, and, and then I'll worry about the bond position later. Well, literally the bell rang and the guilt and, and the, and the guilt just went straight up. And, you know, after about 45 minutes, I mean, you're sweating profusely. And, and, you know, I've, I've had to get out of the pit. You kind of have an idea of what your position is, but you're not sure. And you're adding up all the buys in the cells. I, I still have my trading cards right here. And, um, 
And, and, and I'm planning, I knew I made a lot of money, but I didn't know how much. And then it's like, oh my God, I got a, I got a treasury bond position on. And I look and now the treasury bond position is making me about 20 grand. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know what to do here. Now it's coming, coming up on lunchtime and, and all my mates have made, we've all had a great day. And they're like, come on, let's go. I'm like, well, I got this big position. I'm having my biggest day ever. Come on, come on. We're going to, going to go for a drink. So, so that, and that's what we used to do in the afternoons in London, you know, when in Rome. So I, I took my profits. I don't know. I was up maybe 40 grand or something huge, huge. Everyone's in a great mood. We head to the pub, you know, and uh, have a few drinks. So now we come back and the, and the Euro dollar, not the currency, but the Euro dollar future is called a hundred better. And the bond market has now rallied another two full points from where I got out. So it's like, okay, I think I'm going to get short. So I get short of 10 lots and, and it immediately, and this is right before Chicago opens and, and the bond market is locked limit up in Chicago. There's no trading. All the trading has to come into London and, and the bond market goes up a little bit more. So I sell 10 more contracts and the Euro dollar, which is called to open up a hundred opens 250 better. And our bond market goes up five straight points without touching the side. And all of a sudden I'm not up 40 grand anymore. I'm down 60. And, and, and I don't think I got the money. <laughs> so, you know, and this was, and you still had trading cards and everything. Yeah. And so I don't want to hand in the trading cards because, you know, if they find that out, they're liable, not me, you know, they're my right. clearinghouse. So about a half an hour goes by and I'm, you know, and I'm battling around with these levels. And then, and then a Solomon brothers comes in on the other side of the pit and, uh, and, and makes an offer. And the guy standing next to me is bidding higher than his offer. So I, I sell him 20 more contracts. And, and this guy's selling the bonds at 89 even. And then he goes down to 88 and a half, which means he's gone down 16 points, 16 ticks. And then he goes down to 88. Then he goes down to 87 and a half. Then he goes down to 87. Now at around 86 and a half, I'm, I'm, I'm scratch. You know, I'm, I'm back in the game. You know, and he's, and he's one of my mates who I go, I was the season ticket holder for Chelsea football club. And he's one of my mates that, that, so I go stand next to him and, and, you know, and he's getting his count and he's selling, he's selling, he's selling his big order. Solomon brothers at that time was one of the big players down there. And, um, and, and I said to him, I said, how many do you got? He's like, I got lots. I'm like, okay, I back away a little bit, you know, and then he takes the market down to 86 and then he takes it down to 85. And, uh, and when he starts selling the 84 and a halves, I, I say to him, I say, how many you got? He says, how many do you need? I said, I need 40. He says, I'll save you the last 40. So, so, you know, one thing leads to another. And then he, and then he looks at the, looks around at the pit and he says, just, and the minute he says, just, I said, buy 60. <laughs> so I bought my 40. Now I went long because he knocked the market down like five or six full points on 40 contracts in about 20 minutes. That's $240,000 turnaround. In, in my PL. And so now I can take the cards and go hand them in at the desk. <laughs> you know, no one's gonna freak out with with two hundred thousand dollars worth of winners. <clears throat> Make a yeah. long story short, now he's not marked down so much, it's bounced back. I, I go do this, I go do that, I get out, and um, and I didn't know how much I made, but I knew it was more money than I ever made my whole life. And this is the honest God truth. I, I left the I left the exchange. I walked around the corner and I walked in to see Trevor, the travel agent, and I booked two tickets around the world. Wow. 
<laughs> wow. So you went you went up 40 down 16 you I know. went from I went from being broke out of the game to I that day I made a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a swing. <laughs> That's and, a roller coaster right for sure, and, man. And believe me, in the, in the 90s I've had bigger ups and downs than that. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Well, well, Tony, this has been a great conversation, man. Um, I think we should probably do this again sometime, man. I'd like to have you back on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if, it's, been a, if, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, man, it's been awesome. If folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is that you're doing, what's what's the easiest way for them to do that? Well, um, just go to my website, Tony uh, TonyLaporta.com, T-O-N-Y-L-A-P-O-R-T-A.com. Um, on there, there's a there's a two week trial, a seventeen dollar trial. If you sign up for the trial, um, I'll I'll make I'll make it good until the end of the year. So you're, you're getting a, about you know a, a month and a half for seventeen dollars. What I what I bring to the table is I bring a Discord trade room um, that that we sit in every day. We I have a lot of very good traders in there, um, and and the nice thing about this Discord is it saves everything into the cloud, like. Sean has his own channel that anything he does on moving moving iron, I, I put in the cloud. Um, oh, Chip, wow. Nellin, Chip Nellinger, he's he's I put him in the cloud. You know, okay. so you know you just did a thing about wheat with Chip yesterday. Believe mm-hmm. me, Casey, anything you do, it's my homework. I I if if I do my homework, you know, and I and I listen to Smart Money and Sean is Smart Money and Chip Nellinger is Smart Money. Plus, he's got a 309 area code. That's central Illinois. I'm from Chicago. I admit it. I heard his area code. It's like, how do you not like this guy? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, I, that's that's great, man. So I, make sure you don't check I, I write. Out. I write about the markets every day. I write about the stock market. I write about, you know, the, whatever positions I have on. I I keep my my readers in touch with my positions so they can see how I, how I deal with greed and fear. And, uh, and it's a, it's a great learning experience, especially for traders out there. So, yeah. well, folks go check that out. Take advantage of uh, what Tony's got going on there. Cause it's a, it's a different angle than what I think you're going to, than most of the stuff you're going to run into because he's, he lives and breathes it every day. He's out there <laughs> using his own money to, to, to make this stuff happen. So Tony, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Very nice. Uh, very nice. having. Uh, thank you for having me. Cheers. Yeah. Casey. Thank you very much. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, um, check out movingironllc.com for everything related to the Moving Iron Podcast. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Tony Laporta. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, There's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, Head over to axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for.